1: on AM nine fifty WROL, the Spirit of Boston, or FM one hundred point three. Uh, you can give us a call. Give us a call. Give us a listen there if you're in the Metro Boston area. Or, of course, on the WROL app, you can go to any app store, look for WROL Radio. You can find it. Um, there is all kinds of things to find. We're on a couple minutes early today because uh, I don't know because we are. Um, it was an interesting week this week. Uh, usually, I do be honest eight minutes of show prep a week i think i did none this week I, I do a little bit more i actually try to find articles that i find interesting and look through as i get some email magazines and things i i'll look through them and try to find something but with the monday holiday kind of took that out tuesday i taught one of our driver improvement classes in one rhode island and that pretty much that's a five-hour part of the day that i missed um, had to write columns for the Boston Globe and the Providence Journal somewhere in there. Wait, isn't it just one article that you write and you just send it to the... No, no, no it's two. Too- different Yeah, it is different? and I don't think anyone cares, but originally 10 or 12 years ago when I wrote for the journal, they wanted it to be unique content. So I actually have to write two different articles. Wow. And occasionally... Does a Globe article end up in the journal months, months later? Yeah, it might. I'll be honest. It does. Uh, but their, their search engine optimization I don't think is that good. But, uh, you know, it might end up that way or the names are changed to protect the innocent kind of thing. So, you know, what looked like a really good question with the Chevy owner might be a Buick owner later on or something. But, Same difference. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so that does happen. Um, that was Tuesday. Wednesday, I don't know, I did something else, uh, which took up most of the day. Thursday, we had a staff meeting, which takes up half the day, it seems like. Thursday night, I actually went to an event at the Seaport Hotel, or Seaport Trade Center, parked at the Seaport Hotel. Um, And that was, uh, oh, Wednesday, Wednesday night, I was at an advisory board meeting for Blue Hills Regional Vocational Technical School where I'm kind of winding down a little bit. I am I was the chairman of their advisory board, and now I'm not. So, just taking a step back. Still go to meetings, still go to a couple meetings, but taking a step back. And being the chairman just means you go to maybe one or two more meetings. But I belong to five different advisory boards. And if I go to three meetings each a year, that's 15 weeks out of, You know, so that's, yeah, out of 52s, that means at least every third week I'm doing something. So, kind of stepping back a little bit, trying to rest a little bit. Um, But on Thursday night, I went to this uh, New England Council dinner with um, 1,600 of my closest friends. (laughs) And uh, it was, they gave out awards to, um, you know, the governor was there. He gave out an award to Nikki Songus. Um, there was uh, there was a lot lot of interesting things going on at this at this event, and uh, it was it was it was great to it was great to see a lot of a lot of people, and it was it was all good. So there was that. And I'll talk about more some of the guest speakers that were there. There was some pretty interesting people that were there as well, and uh, with the one exception of. They serve, you know, when you serve 1,700, 1,700 people, is there a chance that maybe some of the food could have had a problem? Um, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I woke up around 1.30 in the morning and didn't feel that well. So I emailed one of the people I was with, did you feel okay last night? And he's like, ah, not great. And then I emailed, well, I saw somebody else the next day, I'm like... Do you feel okay that next day? And he's like, oh, "That night," and he's like, "No, not really." So, and then Oops. I had then I had to get up at four o'clock in the morning to drive to Stamford, Connecticut, to be there. So, hey, with us on the phone is Matt Williams. He is the director of business development for the Hartz Corporation, and it's kind of a rainy day here in Boston. Uh, it's the day looked better than it really was when it started off, but it's kind of a rainy day now. But this is maybe some of the time where people think about putting their cars away for the winter time, and maybe cleaning up their convertible cars. And Matt works for Hearts Corporation, and they are the uh, oldest top manu- top material manufacturer anywhere. Matt, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor program here in Boston.
2: Good morning, John Paul. How are you? I'm good just fine.
1: Here. You know, and uh, you, you're a, you a Massachusetts guy. Is it is it look rainy and dark and miserable where you are?
2: It, it's worse than rain, John Paul. It, it's cold, wet rain. Yeah. So yeah. As I'm sure you can appreciate this time of year. The temperatures dropping, and uh, this is uh, the kind of day where we like to think that folks appreciate that the convertible top over their head is doing its job and uh, keeping them dry and warm inside. That's right, that's right. And the days of, I remember
1: many, many years ago, I owned an MGB. It was
0: Mm -hmm. probably
1: the most fun car I owned and the worst car I ever owned. Um, It, it, uh, You know, I met a lot of people broken down by the side of the road. Uh, It had all the typical Lucas electronics problems. And it had a relatively new convertible top on it, which kept you... Sort of dry, but convertible top. But convertible tops have changed a lot over the years. And you know, my wife has driven a convertible for her last three cars, and uh, Mm -hmm. the latest one is a a Volkswagen Beetle, which has uh, which has a hearts roof on it. I believe.
2: Absolutely, yeah. And and if you look at the comparison of that old MG to what Volkswagen is doing today on vehicles like the Beetle, um, the difference is fantastic. So if it's the, the topping material that we provide that is more durable and, and lasts longer before cracking and, and, and letting water in, or you look at the window seals for the back window um, and how well they're integrated and how tight that seal is so that, that window doesn't leak, or even the door seals. Um, they do a lot more testing and development on these systems today, and uh, the end result is a vehicle that is truly four-season functional mm. and um, something that uh, consumers tend to get a lot more a lot more use of uh, have year-round.
1: Yeah, it, it's uh, – and we don't – people find this hard to believe, but um – I don't have a garage, so my cars have to sit outside, and the convertibles have sat outside over the years, and and have actually stood up pretty well. The, this most recent one had a problem, but it had nothing to do with the top. It had to do with uh, when it was when the car was manufactured, they they had a clearance problem. So when the top went up and down, it actually rubbed against itself um, and mm. caused an issue, and was w- taken care of under warranty. So that was all good, but the. Um, but they do require some maintenance and whether it's a vinyl roof or a cloth style roof, they do require some maintenance and you don't want to go out there with uh with spick and span and less oil and try to clean a convertible top, right?
2: Absolutely, yeah. So um the, the coated fabrics that we supply are um very unique and have some very specific performance properties that we like to maintain even after uh the car gets cleaned. So Um, We definitely recommend folks against going into your traditional car wash, um, whether it be an automatic or even a a manned car wash, Mm -hmm. but something um, where we want to avoid those um, very nasty detergents and even some of the waxes that uh, are applied on the cars in those car washes, Mm -hmm. and certainly the high-pressure water jets aren't a good thing for a convertible top. So while it may take a little more time, we ultimately do recommend that convertible owners spend uh, the extra time to hand wash their car and their top and um, use some very very specific guidelines in uh, cleaning the fabric of the roof. Um, HARP has tested and endorsed a product by the name of Ragtop, which is a very good combination of a cleaning product um, that uh, lifts the soil and other debris out of the fabric. Um, We recommend you use Ragtop along with a uh, soft crystal brush. They actually manufacture a brush that we've tested as well. That uh, does very well and um, helps to lift that dirt out of there using warm water on a, uh, outside on a nice sunny day is a good t- good time to do it. And um, after you clean the top, the very important thing that we also recommend is that you uh, reapply a protectant layer. So um, as delivered from Hearts and, and the OEMs from the factory, uh, that fabric has a water repellent finish on it uh, for a cloth top especially, and that water repellent finish is what helps uh, the water beat up and not allow it to soak in and bring the, the, the dirt and debris back into the fabric after it gets dirty again. So reapplying that water repellent finish is something you should always do on your top after you clean it, and uh, that'll help it look better longer so you don't have to clean it as often and keep it from getting those wear spots, kind of like what you were talking about on your Volkswagen Beetle.
1: Now, by water repellent finish, do you mean like the same kind of stuff you spray on furniture to, uh, so the water, so the yeah. spill beads up kind of stuff?
2: That kind of stuff, yeah. So these are typically fluorocarbon finishes. Um, we've engineered this one specifically to dry and um, um, perform at a very low temperature on the surface mm-hmm. of the fabric. Um, it's not the same type of product that we would use in our manufacturing at Hearts, but it's uh, just a different formulation that allows consumers to use it. It's very safe. Um, it's in a, um, a spray can, uh, and you just do a, a couple of light coats over the surface of the material, it's safe if it get a little bit on the paint or on the glass. It'll wipe right off. Um, but uh, you let that uh, sit outside on a sunny day, and it'll warm up a little bit and um, provide a nice water-repellent finish back on that roof, almost as good as uh, the day came from the factory.
1: And is that is that your branded, or is that Ragtop, too?
2: So Ragtop, it's, it's their product. We yep. tested and endorsed it. So um, we have an affiliation with them at, at the endorsement level, but nothing beyond yep. that. So, so,
1: but they're um, the ones that also make the water-repellent finish, too, right?
2: That's correct. So um, if you go to their website uh, or search online, for example, for Ragtop, R-A-G-G-T-O-P-P, you'll find it. And there's a link to um, their site from Hart's website and the pages that we have for convertible top cleaning as Mm -hmm. well. So uh, consumers can get at it from the Hart's website too. Yep.
1: And, uh, you know, you look through, you know, if you look through magazines like Hemmings Motor News and you look back at some old some old antique tops old antique cars and you'll notice things like has a hearts top uh hearts mm-hmm. has been hearts has been in this business for a long time haven't they
2: yeah we have history that dates back to 1897 overall but our um American operations date uh to the um early aughts of the uh, 20th century and um we're a third generation family-owned company and the hearts family today um has continued to invest in the business and uh Keep us at the forefront of the automotive trim marketplace, and we're very proud to continue to support uh, open air driving and uh, motoring overall. And and you
1: guys, you guys are a worldwide corporation provide, providing top material to um, all of the largest vehicle manufacturers, as well as as well as some interior materials and things like that. And odd, oddly enough, you're located here in Massachusetts.
2: Yeah, that's, uh, that's the great thing. We feel about uh, what we've been able to do over the last 100-plus years. Um, again, the Hartz family is from uh, Massachusetts and New England to begin with, and uh, they've maintained their roots here and uh, want to maintain it moving forward. And, and um, while it may seem odd, there's no car manufacturing facilities here. There are a few people like Hartz that are still manufacturing subcomponents and, and uh, parts for cars, and that's what we do, and we're very proud of it. And... There's there's a um, a
1: company that provide that does a lot of interior work in old cars and mm-hmm. um, whose name I can't think of Bond bon, what what are they? Um, they're they're here in they're here in New England and uh, mm-hmm. you provide some of the old interior
2: materials as well, right? Um, yep, you're thinking of Bond? Yes, yes. Up in Eanesbury, yes. Uh, yeah, they're a great group up there, um, and uh, we supply uh, topping fabrics um, and some other accessory parts for convertible roof systems to those guys. And um, they they do a great job of um, um, servicing the market, the restoration and vintage marketplace with trim materials. So, yeah, definitely uh, a resource for folks that are out there restoring their old cars. Yeah, and, and
1: it's, uh, it's 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 again a pretty a pretty interesting. Company because it is this worldwide company you you make you you make materials for for everything it seems like everything uh, everything that has a roof that falls down and you're worldwide and headquartered here in Massachusetts which I think makes the company a pretty special company and I remember talking to. talking to doug hartz one time about uh we were talking about interior materials and we we're talking about leather finishes versus some of the other materials and he's like well you have to remember it's a little like uh the bob store commercial when they talk about you know leather any place you sit and he said you know think of that sometimes with uh with uh, some of the interiors of cars it may that may say it's got a it's leather seating material he said chances are depending on the car, we make the sides and the, and the bottoms and the places where, where you're, you may not actually be sitting, but the rest of it is, is our material.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So that, that was something that the, the OEMs started a while ago and continue to do today. When people ask for a real leather seat or trim part, in a lot of cases, it's the part that's physically touching their body. And whether it's the bolsters or the headrests or the armrests or some other portion of that seat assembly those will typically be done in a synthetic leather, um, so not a true leather, but a, a plastic um, um, artificial leather, if you will, uh, manufactured by uh, folks like Hartz. And the funny thing is, at the end of the day uh, on this, John Paul, is that the durability and quality level and um, consistency and even um, emissions of different chemicals that go into manufacturing, uh, our synthetic leathers are a lot better and uh, more environmentally friendly and last longer than real leather. So um, people, you know, may still want real leather, and that's certainly a viable option. But uh, the technology with um, plastic-based synthetic leather products has evolved to the point where um, it's a superior product and, and more environmentally friendly, and um, and um, uh, they'll get a much longer life out of it.
1: Yeah, no, it, it's it's again, it's very interesting. And and your website has uh, all kinds of information about the company. Also, you mm-hmm. think about manufacturing, especially the manufacturing you're in uh Mm your yours is a pretty green company a pretty environmentally friendly company for a company that uh, uh you think about some of the materials and chemicals that go into making all kinds of various uh componentry especially interior and exterior components of cars could be could be pretty pretty tough on the environment but you guys do a really good job of staying really green
2: yeah so um you know the family is committed to that and doing um, as much as we can to invest in equipment that's energy efficient or facilities uh, that are energy efficient. And, and two examples of that is that, um, you know, going back and comparing 2015 um, versus 2000, um, we reduced the total amount of CO2 produced per yard of fabric that we process at our facility by 22.5%. Wow. So over a 15-year 15, 15 lifetime span. We evolved the technology and the equipment in our facility, and the efficiency of that equipment to reduce by over twenty-two percent the amount of CO two per yard of product that we manufacture. Yeah, and so we've done a lot of other things with uh, LED lighting and solar energy consumption on our site, and um, also with um, you know some of the emissions controls in our equipment to, to really minimize our impact upon the in- uh, environment uh, at our facility here in Massachusetts.
1: No, it, it again sounds sounds like sounds like. An interesting story all the way around, and I I just really enjoy the idea that you know Massachusetts years and years ago was was you know an automotive manufacturer certainly, and we actually made a lot of things in Massachusetts. We don't make as many now, but the idea that there's this company that supports other companies around the world located right here in Massachusetts is is uh, pretty amazing. And and I encourage people go to Hart's website to learn more about it. It's H A A rtz.com and uh, learn a little bit more about what Hearts does and uh, maybe even get some tips on how to maintain your top. Right.
2: Absolutely, yeah. So uh, a lot of the information about our company and our environmental um, stewardship is on the site, but um, within the exteriors trim section of our webpage, uh, there's some um, a lot of information about the convertible car top products and um, a set of cleaning guides. Uh, going back to our conversation earlier about car care uh, here, going into the into the winter um convertibles there's information there about rag top and and specific procedures on how to clean and maintain your top
1: yeah and the other thing is you guys have come up with some new technology to be able to do things like even put striping in a top now so if it's a if it's an original equipment manufacturer and they they want to put oh you know it's a bmw mini convertible and they want to put the union jack flag on it you guys can figure out Mm -hmm. a way to do that right
2: absolutely john paul yeah we um have innovated a, a modification of the jacquard weaving technology, which, um, interestingly enough, jacquard weaving is one of the earliest forms of the computer um, to control a weaving loom, um, and uh, modified that to give us um, the ability to put images on the roofs uh, in a very durable fashion, and uh, we can cover the entire roof of a car with a, a characteristic logo of the OEM or even things like the Union Jack flag. Yeah. Uh, we've written words, done stripes. We've done all kinds of different patterns. Uh, the American flag, for example, we've done that. So there's a lot of uh, unique things we can do with that that gives the OEMs the ability to express their design intent on the car.
1: And, again, that website is hearts.com. It's H-A-A-R-T-Z.com, and you can find out more information there and, and find out everything about it. And your PR agency uh, sent me a bio of you, and... Uh, You worked at Los Alamos National Labs? (laughs) Yeah, for one
2: summer, John Paul. That's uh, (laughs) an interesting opportunity. Maybe uh, one one day over a cold beer I can share some stories there.
1: Okay, I wasn't sure whether you could even share that. You know, it could be super secret stuff, you know, so.
2: No, not super secret, but it was an interesting facility, and uh, security was a big deal out there. um, But, uh, yeah. It was a great experience.
1: I bet. Hey, Matt, thanks for taking time out of your Saturday morning. Hopefully, you don't have to go to a soccer game or something outside where it's cold and wet and miserable. So,
2: no, not no, I wouldn't. And uh, if anybody's out there with a the convertible today, think uh, think about how it's keeping you dry and warm because there that's you, certainly our job. There you go. Hey, hey, Matt, thanks a lot, and talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Thank you. Yeah, bye bye.
1: That was Matt Williams. He is the director of business development for the Hearts Corporation. Uh, we've had him on before. We've had Doug Hearts on before. Uh, it, it's a it's a it's an interesting company just because it the facility itself is massive, and they're located in Massachusetts. They're just here in Massachusetts, and it's just where. I could tell you that if I actually remember. <laughs> did I did I mention I haven't gotten a lot of sleep this week. <laughs> The uh, I want to say it's in Greenfield, but hang on. Acton, Acton Mass. Oh, that's where yeah. I get my tattoo done. Oh, there you I, go. That's where my tattoo artist is. Well, you can there, go so. find their global their global headquarters. They also have an uh, operation in Germany, in Detroit. Uh, Germany looks like a manufacturing operation. Detroit, uh, they also have a manufacturing operation in... Someplace I can't pronounce. Okay. And Tokyo and China. So, but their global headquarters and one of their biggest manufacturing spots is here right in Acton, Massachusetts. Excellent. We're, I have no idea what this, what it even says. It's Hart's Automotive. Oh, it's in India. Okay. But it, it didn't actually list the country. Like the other one says, you know, Wing, China, something. And it says the name of the town. The other one says Tokyo. This one just says the village of something. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, so. Radio. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a weird show today. I'm exhausted. Um, on Like I said, on Thursday, I went to this event at the Seaport, and it was really good. And the one of the award recipients and they give out awards is a um a veteran maybe he's like 30 years old and uh unfortunately back about six years ago when he was in Iraq he put his backpack down on an IED and it exploded and two weeks later he woke up in a hospital with no arms and no legs and he said to his wife and they had a child he said you know take whatever money you have and just leave me here. And, you know, first, his first thoughts were, you know, why did I even survive? Um, He was absolutely, you know, anything that was wrong with you and you talked to him didn't matter anymore. And he was a stand-up comedian. He was, I, I didn't think he was going to be, I thought he was going to get up and say thanks and whatever. And, and, you know, and he was wearing a polo shirt and shorts. And, he had one mechanical arm, no other arm, mechanical legs. And he said, yeah, somebody said to me, you look a little casual to be here up in a, a polo shirt and shorts, and he's like, hey, if I took my legs off, they'd be pants. And he just went on like one after another like that and you know, made no one feel uncomfortable. He was just funny as could be, but he set up a foundation. He lives up in Maine. He set up a foundation where, um, where veterans who have been hurt and are trying to adjust. He'll teach them how to snowboard, canoe, kayak. Um, you know, do all kinds of things. He has, I guess he has horses on his property. Teach them how to go horseback riding. Um, him and his wife uh, run this thing. He says they, they probably have about 30 weeks a year they have people at their house. And just a, an amazing guy. And uh, then I went home and uh, got home about 10 Went to bed shortly thereafter and didn't feel so well at one. (laughs) Again, 1,700 plates of chicken out at the same time might have been a problem. But then the good news is I had to be up at four anyway because I had to leave to go to Stanford, Connecticut, which is like 200 and some odd miles from my house, to go to a uh, conference that AAA was running at uh, at the University of Connecticut campus in Stanford, so and, stop, let me get this straight. You drove 200 and some odd miles mm-hmm. with very little sleep. I got like and, a couple hours, and, and, three. And, 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 and not feeling well? Not feeling well? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, work, you work doing what you do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I felt better by the end of the day, except last night when I was pretty tired, but... Um, but it was, uh, it was a, a conference all about autonomous vehicles, but it was more geared towards not people like me, more geared towards, uh, municipalities. So there was, uh, Senator Blumenthal, the, uh, Senator in Connecticut was there. Um, there was the, another Senator that was there, uh, talking about how their views on autonomous vehicles are. I don't know the senators, so they seem pretty informed. Um, There was a lot of people from different municipalities that were there to see how autonomous vehicles are going to influence what they have to do as they're designing things. Uh, Connecticut wants to, like everybody else, they want to be like Boston, where we're doing autonomous vehicle development now in uh, Seaport and, uh, and out of Devons. And supposedly Weymouth, um, at the um, whatever they're calling the old Weymouth Navy base today, oh, the, the, the Resonant, point, yeah, the whatever is, something, Union Point, yeah, Union Point. Apparently, there's an autonomous shuttle that's supposed to run from Union Point to the T- to the uh, parking ride. I haven't seen it yet. You might like the name. What is it? Optimus ride oh you did tell me this yeah, before yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so um <laughs> uh, but yeah so uh so they're supposed to be running the shuttle i have not seen the shuttle there i've i've actually gone there at sort of peak commuter time going come on i just want to see the shuttle with no driver and i haven't seen it yet and uh, i was telling somebody i think i've been flagged by lyft as being a bad customer because I've tried to get the Lyft autonomous car to come pick me up in the seaport. So I've, like, made a couple Lyft reservations and canceled them when it wasn't the autonomous Lyft showing up. Okay. So I'm not a good customer, I guess. So <laughs> And you can't request the autonomous one, you know, so. And it doesn't run every day and, you know, so. But I thought it would be fun to go for a ride in it. But, but anyway, so I went and did that and uh, came home last night and... After that, you know, it was just one of those, one of those things. So it's just been a busy week. I uh, came home and got a very official-looking letter about my wife's car, about how her warranty was expiring and how we should sign up for this warranty program. And it makes it look like you have to do it. They don't even tell you how much it costs. They just, you know, do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? Uh, throw those things away, people, if you get them. Because the big problem is who the warranty company really is. Are they going to be around in a year? You know, people ask me about the AAA warranty, and we got into the warranty business because people asked us to, not as a business line. It was people asked us to because at at AAA, and you talk to most any consumer people, they'll tell you extended warranties are not necessarily a good, good investment. Uh, some people have had great luck with them. Other people have not. Um, the um, But we looked around and we found a company that does a good job. And even over the years, companies have come in and out of our business, and we've always stood behind it. So even if uh, we had uh, we had GE Capital once for a warranty company, they decided to get out of the business at that time. And we had you know, thousands of AAA members that had extended warranties. Well, if anything came up until we got the next company online, we would take care of it. We would actually step in and take care of the problem. You're not going to get that with some of these companies that you don't know anything more about than just a postcard in the mail. The factory company, sure, if you bought a Toyota and you want to get Toyota Extra Care and you want to get it through Toyota, good way to go. You know what you're going to get. But if you want a third party, I would not recommend anybody but – and sounds a little self-serving, but I wouldn't recommend anybody but, but AAA's warranty because um, I know that we've. I've been there for 33 years. We've had a warranty for 25 of those 33 years, and we've always stood behind it. And even to the point where we can argue with the warranty company, if they say this should be covered, this shouldn't be covered, we can look at it and go, yeah, maybe it should be. And, they, and they'll agree with us because they kind of have to. So we're able to do that. So it's, it's – uh, it's a, it's a good way to be able to do that. If I have a uh, a PowerPoint now about autonomous vehicles, and if you're somebody who would like me to come out and uh, talk about autonomous vehicles with your Rotary Club or Kiwanis or something, be happy to do that. Just uh, drop me an email at jpaul at aaanortheast.com. Uh, not the month of November crazy busy over the next six weeks or so with a bunch of things that we have going on at AAA. But if you want to do something in December or January or some point after that, and you would like me to come out and if you have like a rotary club or, I don't know, chamber lunch or breakfast or, and you're looking for a 20 minute to half hour presentation about autonomous vehicles kind of at a, uh, a level where there isn't, uh, you know, we're not going to talk about really, really specific details. You can, uh, Feel free to, again, drop me an email at jpaul at com, and uh, happy to come out and uh, see what see what's going on. Also, Dennis is working on the phones. Also, we have a couple things coming up over the next month or two, starting with auto show season. In fact, today, not right this minute, but today we're going to be giving away some tickets to the Connecticut Auto Show, and this time the Connecticut Auto Show is going to be at Mohegan Sun. So if you Sold. Win- give me them, wow! <laughs> I win. No one <laughs> else does. No. All right, just All right. kidding. No, 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 no. Right. Just kidding. Do you, do you like Mohegan? I do like Mohegan Sun. Because I don't go often. I, I haven't been in years actually, but I like it. I like it because of the, the because of the Native American heritage. I don't have Native American heritage. No, I said because of it, not <laughs> no, yours. No, no, I just think that I like the design of it. I think it has a much more like relaxed atmosphere than the other place. The other place? Whatever whatever the other one's called. Foxwoods. Fox Foxwoods. Yeah. I know what the other place was. I just didn't want to say. Have you <laughs> been to the one in Springfield? No, I'm not. no? I haven't. No? I saw it on TV the other day. You can't find it. They blended it into downtown Springfield. They they didn't want it to look like a casino. That's and cool. they And they made it look very traditional to the area, so we will be giving away some tickets to that, and after the first of the year, and we can give these away sooner than later, we have tickets to both the New England Auto Show, which is going to take place January 17th to the 21st, and the RV and Camping Expo, which takes place simultaneously, almost, from the 18th to the 21st, so Auto Show from the 17th to the 21st, in January, RV and Camping Show, 18th to the 21st, RV shows if you just want to go and like open cabinet doors and look at big RVs and figure out that they don't look like tents anymore and it, it is it is pretty fascinating but the idea that the uh, the uh, Connecticut auto shows at mohegan uh, sounds its I bet that's going to get the numbers up and, and they always did pretty well at the Connecticut Auto Show. It was always a nice little show, but uh, now it's changed. So if you want more information, it's ctautoshow.com, and we will be giving away tickets to that today. But right now, let's talk to Tom in Weymouth.
0: Tom, good morning. Good morning, John. Uh, a question, you know, you see a lot of people that sell older cars. So some of them kind of do it as a little side business. So you go to look at one, say a 70s. But what I've, I've seen in the past is they have a title but they never change the title in their name. Say they bought it from somebody in Rhode Island or Mm -hmm. Connecticut. Then they bring it up, and then that title is really not in their name. It's in somebody else's name, but they never got it filled out. So they just want to pass you that title. What do you think about that as a legal? for the buyer, well, it's
1: it's, it's wrong on all kinds of levels, but it's not that wrong, I guess. Um, It's if... Any car, no matter what car it is, has to have a, um, if 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 I bought a car from you, right. and within seven days I went to go get an inspection sticker and it failed the sticker, and I could come back to you and say, you know what, it's going to cost me, I bought, bought the car for $2,000, it's going to cost me $500 to fix it because the ball joints are bad and, I don't know, the muffler has a hole in it, mm-hmm. and I could go back to you and say, Tom, you got to you got to either give me my money back or pay or pay for the cost of the repair. Right. And if the car technically came from Dennis instead of Tom, you could go no, don't. No. And if I tried to sue you, hmm. they'd say there would be no real record that I bought the car from you. It would just show that I bought it from Dennis, and that's right. where the problem is. The second thing that happens is you've left the Commonwealth of Massachusetts out of their money-making opportunity because Mm -hmm. when you buy a car from somebody in Rhode Island with the idea of selling it to me and you don't register it in between, um, Massachusetts doesn't get the sales tax money,
0: and they don't like that. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah,
1: that's so happen, yeah. you know, and, and the only ones who can avoid doing that is a car dealer. You know, an actual car dealer. You know, uh, right? You know, you know, ABC Auto Sales. You know, they just take the title, you sign it, and because they're a dealer, they're able to they they have to pay separate taxes, but they they take that original title and sell it to sell it to me, and that's how it's done. But a private party sale, you are supposed to. Register the car right, or minimally get the title in your name, and to get the title in your name, you have to pay the sales tax on the on the on the cost of the vehicle
3: right,
0: but in the like I said, you know an older car vintage car you're yep. buying a seventy nine Pontiac something or whatever in the yep. instance, yeah, I went down like I got this in Connecticut because he knew somebody got a real good buy and yep. sell it to you for twice a much and he says, yeah, I have the title here, but it's in John Smith's name yep. and' you know Ed Conley, but I can just. You know, sign their name because they probably never signed it. I mean, it's not 100. percent I would imagine legal, right? So you, as a buyer, yeah, there's uh, a little bit
1: of buyer beware in there. Does it happen? Yeah. Does it happen every single day? Yeah, happens every single. Yeah, day. yeah, right. Yeah, and, and that's it's one of those he... things. If you know what you're buying, and and the other part of it is if, um, you know, if Dennis decides he wants to be a, a a corner used car dealer. So he wants to he wants to put a car out in his front yard, you know, once or twice a month and try to sell try to sell it and make a little bit of money. If you sell more than I think it's 5 cars a year or 3 cars a year, one or the other, you have to apply for, to get a used car dealer's license. So right. for these so what people are doing is um the the old term and I don't know how relevant it is anymore, they used to call it curb stoners. Because they were like literally selling cars at a curb, and uh, and and they were doing just that. So you know, it's prevalent enough where somebody came up with a nickname for it. Yeah, I even I, I even it. saw I even saw a car that was, and I don't remember what it was. I don't. I think it might have been a Honda or something. And I think it was here in Quincy that somebody said, uh, you know, I have this Honda Accord for sale for a thousand dollars. And the person said, yeah, I'm really interested in it. He said, well, I'll meet you at the stop and shop on the Southern Artery at 7 o'clock tonight. Mm -hmm. And the guy said, okay. He said, I'll be over by the Bank of America uh, ATM. And come to find out, the guy actually had an auction. So there was like 20 people that showed up to look at this $1,000 car. And he said, no, I'm not selling it for $1,000. I'm selling it for the best offer, and I'll do it Mm -hmm. right now. Who wants to... Who wants to bid 1100 1200 and and this guy said no I wanted to buy a car for $1000 I didn't want to I didn't know it was an auction and the right. guy called me up and said how legal is that and I said I I don't know that it is or isn't actually but it's pretty novel um so you know there's all kinds of shenanigans out there but the idea if I was buying if you had if you had a car that I was interested in and you let's just say for instance that um you inherited it through you know some relative mm. passed away and, and it right. and you and they and the relative said here's here's the title to the car um you know i signed you know uncle jerry's name on the bottom of it which isn't legal either but um you know and he wanted you to have the car and you decided you didn't want the car you were going to sell it and i said to you Hey, I'm really interested in that car. It's a you know, it's a it's a nice, you know, Toyota Corolla and you don't want a lot of money for it and I'm looking for just a dependable second car. Um, you know, could it could I buy it,
0: register it, be happy with you, it? Sure. Sure, oh, but I, yeah. I was like one time I bought something and the brother had it. And he had the title. And when I you know, he was selling it for him. I'm just saying so Yeah. But when I come to Chairman I I said, Well, it's really your brother's motorcycle that it was right. what it was. Yeah. It's not really in your name. Yes, yeah. it. So what if you sell it to me? Why can't your brother have recourse coming back to me after I purchase and say, Well you knew it wasn't me. Right. You what there's always you know what I'm saying? You, yeah. you could have yeah. some liability. There always there, there always, as as
3: there always the is that
1: concern that um you know there's sort of, there's and I this is probably an urban legend more than anything else, but mm. you know, the uh you know you see the you know, 2008 Mercedes-Benz SL for sale for $5,000, which is, you know, 50000 less than it should sell for. And right. the person bought the car and uh, and showed up, and there was a woman there, and she said, Yeah, I'm selling my husband's car. I want $5,000 for it. And the person goes, Well, that's an awfully good deal. And she says, Yeah, we're getting divorced, and I hate him, and I'm selling his car. And, you know, could he come back and say, wait, she had no authority to sell my car for $5,000? And she right. can say, well, the idea was we're supposed to split split the proceeds and, you know, the car was worth right. 50000 but you're only getting 2500 out of it because I hate you, you know. You know? Yeah. And then could he sue you and say, well, mm-hmm. she didn't have the authority to sell the car and you have it, I suppose. I mean, I've I've heard I've heard that story multiple times with divorces, and is it you know I don't even know if it's true, but it could be a problem. That, that, now I never heard any follow up of it, other than you know somebody ended up with a Mercedes for a really really cheap price,
0: but right. I guess it, yeah. So I mean, there is a a potential it's probably very limited that it happens but right. it, 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 here's a little window there uh, and uh, just uh, okay that on the extended warranty you're right i get them now you get them after a certain age yep. because they're scare tactics yep and absolutely it's funny how they word it and they say you are responsible right for your vehicle warrant you know they've worded yep. it so that if you don't know anything you know, i can imagine a lot of people say oh my god we have to do this you know yep. it's just, yep. Yeah, they you're. That yeah, all, yeah that. you're
1: responsible for everything. You know, <laughs> yeah. if your car gets a flat tire, you're responsible. You know. But they hide the Oh, yeah. very no, hard. No, in no that, they, ab- you know? they absolutely do. They absolutely yeah. do. Hey, Tom, yeah. we always learn something whenever okay, we talk Thank with each you, John. other. All right, take okay, care. Bye, bye. I Think we have Richard on the phone. Richard, good morning. Good morning, John Paul. Uh, listen, I'm, I got up this
3: morning and I started my car. It's, it's a. 2013 Nissan Altima, if that means anything, and the sign came up on the uh, message board: loose fuel cap. Oh, okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't loose yesterday when I stopped. You know, when I parked the car. Yeah. And now I don't know if this is relevant or not, but yesterday morning, after having run the car and done a couple of errands, when I got back into it, it said not key identified or uh, whatever the terminology they use is. And I had to wait and start four or five times to try and get the car to start. And then it finally did mm-hmm. start. It has it has done that before. Not in the, not within the last six months, but it has done that before where it refuses to uh, uh to recognize yeah. the key, even though it's in the same place you know, on the fob. On the fob, it's a push button. Yep. Yeah. Now, the loose fuel cap, my question is, I'm gonna have to go to the dealer to get get rid of this?
1: No. No, what I would do is, um, you know, go get, you know, if you need gas, go get gas. If you don't, take the gas cap off, put it back on again, tighten it up, and drive around for a few days and see if the light goes out. Just for a few days, because yeah. I've already done that. The first, first thing I did was take the gas cap off. Yeah, how, how, full, is the, how full is the gas tank? Uh, just a little over three-quarter. Okay. Okay, when it's, here's kind of what happens. Um, there's a pump that actually pressurizes the fuel system to check to see if there's any leaks, fumes leaking out of the system. And okay. generally, if it's over three quarters and under a quarter, it doesn't it doesn't test. So you're right in that window where it's going to start to test it. So it may have detected the cap was loose but it may have been just enough not to retest the system. I I you're not causing any harm specifically. Okay. So yeah, I would the question. Yeah, I okay. would I would drive it, you know, I would drive it for a little while and uh you know, wait till it gets down to, you know, you, you need to buy gas again and see if the light goes out. If it doesn't go right. out, then I would you could you could go someplace and just have them clear the light, so they'll hook a scanner up to it and shut the light off, or right. or you can go to the dealer and have them look at it. And how many miles are in the car? <laughs> Sixty four thousand seven. Okay, and of course it's it's now four thousand seven hundred miles over the over the extended warranty. Yeah, but, and I would have to look, but the emissions, the evaporative emissions controls, which is what this is part of, might actually be eight years and 80,000. Oh, really? Yeah. So it might be. Uh, some, some are three years, some are six years, some are eight years, depending on what component it is. Now, a gas cap, is kind of a little bit now. It could be the gas cap, the seal, and the gas cap just isn't any good anymore. But it could be just that. It could have been the. Could what what the system looks for? It looks for a large, the a large evaporative emissions leak. So a large evap leak. Usually, a large evap leak is caused by a loose gas cap or a gas cap that's not on there. And what it does, okay. it it has to go through a cycle. It has to periodically retest itself, and if it retests itself and it looks like everything's good, it'll shut the light off on its own. In fact, I know a guy who runs a repair shop, and he has kind of an interesting view, and not all his customers like it. He Somebody will come in with a problem with the check engine light that's on, and he'll say, uh, and they'll go to get back in the car, and he'll say to him, the customer will come back and go, the check engine light's still on, and he'll say, yeah, I know it's still on. And he'll go, but uh, I don't want the light on. He says, I want to make sure it's fixed. He says, if I fix your car properly... In the next 100, and 150 miles or so, everything's going to test itself, and the light's going to go off by itself. Ah, uh, yeah, and the same thing kind yeah. of hap- same thing kind of happens with the gas cap. All uh, right, okay. I have I, have, got a, I, I don't have
3: a, I, I have about an eighty mile ride this afternoon, and uh, you know I have to pick some people up, and then we'll, anyway we're going somewhere. We're coming back. Yep. So this should not be
1: an issue with it. Oh, uh, oh no, not, not at all. Not at all. So, okay. so um, it, it is annoying to have that little no. hazard thing. on Yeah. Oh, camera. yeah. Yeah. No. It, it makes me crazy when I see that sort of stuff on. Uh, but you know, it, it should go out. It should go out on its own, um, providing there's no problems with the gas cap. The other thing is the thing about the key not being recognized. Nissan did have a bunch of problems with that. Um, they had some software changes. They did. It could be the battery and the fob is starting to get a little bit tired. Um, could be a couple of different things. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah, and that's yeah, you, yeah. And, and that's one of those things. Back that's yeah. one of those things you're going to have to go back to the dealer to have them look at it if it isn't something as simple as the uh, as the as the key fob is a problem. But yeah, f- yeah, they've had some problems with it doesn't just recognize it. Next time it does it, uh, someplace under the dash or around the dash, there's a place where you can actually hold the fob. Or, or slide it into a slot or something where if the battery is really weak it will recognize it so um if it look around there be there will be a little spot somewhere in the dash that says hold key here or do something here and see if it see if the, if it does that if it recognizes it then then uh, uh the battery in the fob is probably just going bad
3: you know for a couple of bucks I should just put in new battery in
1: well you could do that too
3: yeah, yeah, we're talking about 2 or $3. Yeah, they're not too. Uh, they're they're
1: you know, Yeah, they're like a, you know, they're a little, they're sort of like a little digital watch battery kind of thing. Yep.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. All righty. All right. Take yeah, care. All right. Thanks. Yep. Thanks very much. Yep. Bye bye. 617 770 3030. 617 770 3030. When we come back, we're going to have a review of the 2019 Ram pickup truck. We'll give away some tickets to the Connecticut Auto Show. Next week, also, we're going to be talking to. Our friends from the Paragon Group about the Connecticut Auto Show. So we'll hear a little bit about that too. We'll be right back and welcome back to the Car Doctor program. Since I'm sharing a lot of things today, um, we had an interesting experience at home. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And my wife, who's probably listening, is probably not going to be happy. Oh, boy. <laughs> but she's she's applying for her. She worked at Stop and Shop part-time for a lot of years. And almost full-time when we first got married and sort of one year less every year we've been married to zero years. But then she went to apply for her pension. And to apply for her pension, she needed a form of identification and her, our marriage license. And, oh boy, apparently it was never filled out correctly. (laughs) <laughs> so it doesn't have her married name on it. Oh, no. And she called the city of Brockton, where the marriage license was filed, I guess, and they said, well, we can't find the old records, so you're going to have to apply it to change your name. So you're going to have to go to court to change your name. And she said, change my name for what? It's on my driver's license, my passport, my Social Security card is correct. They said, yeah, but it's not correct on your marriage license. She said, it had to be because how could I have changed my Social Security number, my Social Security name, my driver's license, and my passport without the, without, right, right. Without the right stuff? And they're like, oh, that's what you're going to have to do. And I am absolutely convinced that... This is going to cause all kinds of problems, besides the 200 bucks it costs to apparently go to probate court and change your name. (laughs) But she's like, change my name from what? It's already my name. I have to change it, but I have all this official documentation, and they're like, well, that isn't what it says on your marriage license, which we never actually technically had. Oh, boy. Um, We had a church certificate that said, you know, John Paul marriage, you know, that, and that's all we—that's all we ever had. But about ten or more years ago, our house got broken into, and when it did, um, our birth certificates and marriage license were all in the same jewelry box because you know we live such a high-profile lifestyle. We just had them sitting in a box, and um, and while my wife replaced our birth certificates. she was like, I might as well get our marriage license too while I'm here. And never looked at it in the 10 or 15 years that we've had it. And then when she looked at it, she's like, oh, this is the wrong this isn't filled out correctly. And the town won't do anything about it. They're like, well, you're just going to have to change your name. And I know this is going to be a problem. So if anyone out there in Radio Land has ever had this problem, I'm looking for suggestions. Short of well, I did call a lawyer, but and she said, Yeah, you might have to do that and I'm like, I, I just know that because two cars ago we bought a car and somehow the car we never got the we never got the title. So we called the registry and the registry said, Well, you moved to Marblehead. I'm like, no, we didn't. Mm-hmm. They said, Well the address we have is, you know, ocean drive and marblehead or something and i'm like uh-uh and they said oh i said well how do we get it fixed so because they said well you're going to have to pay the you're going to have to pay the excise tax of marblehead and I'm like, we don't live in marblehead we live in the same town we lived in for 40 years so i called the town of marblehead got the clerk's office very nice lady who happened to answer the phone and she said oh oh yeah she said, I see this here she'll we'll just send it to you but she said you have to go to the registry and tell them that you don't live in Marblehead so we went to the registry and the registry said well you just do a change of address I said but we didn't move and they said "Well, just do a change of address and then we'll know that you know you don't live in Marblehead and you live here and then we got another tax bill from Marblehead Because they think, we used to live in Marblehead now. And I'm like, no, 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 this isn't. And when my wife was explaining all this to me, we were opening up registry service in our Newton, Massachusetts office. And at the time, the Registrar of Motor Vehicles was standing right next to me. And I'm like, hang on a minute. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> right place, right time. Yeah, I'm like, hi, Miss Registrar. Here's my problem, and she said, Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let let me let me. We'll figure this out. So we got that figured out. But um, but I think it would have been even more comp. But by changing our address, all it did was flag everything else and said, Well, you used to live here, so Marblehead wanted the money from or whatever. Maybe it was a mar. It was somewhere up that way, but it was. Um, where's the, where's the town with the, uh, with the with the the fishing shack that everybody takes a picture of? Oh, um, Rockport. Rockport. That's that's where we lived. We lived in Rockport for like a second. A, not even. We never lived in Rockport. <laughs> I've only been to Rockport twice, and I've never lived there. So that's why I'm a little concerned about this whole other thing. So. So I have a question regarding the new license because my license expires in December. Yep. Uh, What do I need to get a license now? Uh, Go online, download the real ID form, and it will tell you what you need. You're going to need a form of identification other than your license, uh, a bill that shows like a a utility bill or something like that uh, to show that you're a resident in the Commonwealth, and... I think you need two form and two forms of identification. One of them, I think, has to have a picture. So, if you have a passport, you're good. So it's okay. So you just said two forms of identification, but a passport is technically like three forms of identification. No, so it? a passport and something else. Yeah, credit card, I think, and something else. Um, AAA offices do them as well. That's what my next question. It was. takes longer because. Apparently, all the documentation has to be scanned, and there's different scanners for different things, Mm -hmm. and if you bring a birth certificate, it can't be laminated, for instance. You Mm -hmm. know, some people laminate all that stuff. It can't be laminated because you could have forged it under the lamination, I guess, and so it can't be laminated. Um, So, yeah, it's the real ID has its own... Bit of problems. Uh, in fact, I tried to get the registrar, uh, Aaron Devaney, on the show to talk about Real ID one time. And uh, they they couldn't make it for whatever the case is. And probably ought to try that again. Just to explain what it's all about. You will need um, You will need Real ID on your license if you fly and don't have a passport or if you go into a federal building. So if you, go into, uh, if you go into a building like the transportation building in Boston, the one down by the theater district, um, and you park in the parking garage, for instance, if you don't have real ID, you won't be able to park in the parking garage unless you bring a passport, I guess. Um, so you will need it for certain things. So And our AAA offices do it. Um, Junior D'Amato, no stranger to this program, had a... Uh, Wanted to get his license renewed and wanted to get a real ID. He went to our Raynham office. I called the office manager down there, Phyllis, and said, Phyllis, what time does Junior need to be there? And she said, I got to tell you, on Saturday mornings we have a line. And she said, it probably wouldn't hurt to get here by 830 or so. So, dude, see it all. Let's see. Uh, expiring license be used as one form. I used a passport license to approve mass residency and an insurance bill. Yeah, so... Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, so, that the, so you need two forms of ident- identification and some other thing that shows you live here. So, like a utility bill, electric bill, cable TV bill. Oh, you don't have cable. That's right. That's right. Well, I do have internet. I know. Internet. I know. I know. I know. I'm just. Let's talk to uh, Skippy. Skippy! Hello,
3: dark guy. Uh- I know you've explained this before, but I'm going to do the right thing and write it down this time. It contains a jump start. Okay. I believe what you said is you you put the, the clamp on the
1: positive, and then you don't put the negative on the negative. You put it on a piece of metal. Yeah, okay. Okay. Rem- all, all you got to do is remember the, Remember this. Plus to plus, minus to metal. Plus to, to plus. Plus, minus to metal. Minus, right. And I know you said something about if you do it, you know, the only way, it, it could screw up the computer. Well, yeah. It, what guy. can what can happen is if, for instance, the um, you can go directly to the top of the battery. The reason why they tell you to go to someplace metal and not the top of the dead battery. So you you so um, Dennis's car has a dead battery. My car has a good battery. So I pull up to Dennis's car with my with with my car. I shut I shut my car off. I take the red cable and put it on the positive connection of my battery, I walk over I put it on the positive connection of his battery. I take the black cable, I put it on the negative connection of my battery, and I go over to his car rather than go to the negative connection. I look for some kind of metal bracket or something, and some cars actually have a a, a bolt that sticks up that 's really designed to jump start the car and uh, so I attach it to that and the reason why i don 't attach it to Dennis 's dead battery is because as batteries go dead, they start to produce hydrogen gas. And when you hook up a jumper cable to a battery, sometimes you'll get a little bit of a spark if a dome light's on or the headlights are on. And you don't want to make a spark around hydrogen because it could blow up. So that's why they, that's why we always say hook it up to a piece of metal and not directly to the battery. You know, a hundred times a day, people hook, you know, negative to negative, positive to positive, nothing happens. Where you have to watch out is... Generally, I won't restart the good car. I'll leave the good car shut off and just try to start it with just the voltage in the battery because I don't want to have the the alternator, my alternator cycling up and down, trying to recharge the dead battery in the dead car. I'd rather get the dead car started, let it run for a little bit, and then disconnect the battery cables in the same order, negative off the dead car, then negative off of my car, positive off the dead car, positive off of my car. And then then what really should happen is a car with a dead battery really ought to go someplace and be put on a battery charger, charged back up, and then test it out to make sure that battery's in good shape. So if I have the good battery and I'm giving the person
3: the jump, I'm going to put my positive on the positive at my minus on the minus, but yep. the, uh, the black to black, the, but the that's hit and jump is going to get the put there on positive in the middle.
1: Yep. Yep. All right. Okay. All right, thanks so All All right. much. All right. Sure. Thanks, thanks. Yimpy. Bye-bye. Or call AAA. 1-800-TRIPLE-A-HELP. <laughs> like, like. All right. Take care. All right, I promised I would talk about the truck that got me around last week, and that is the Ram 1500 pickup truck for 2019. It's been completely updated, available in short and long wheelbase models with two four-door cab cab configurations. There are six trim levels, and four-wheel drive is offered in all the levels. With all the shapes and sizes, I counted 29 different configurations. That's a lot of different... Doors and beds and motors and stuff. Um, Our road test was in the two-wheel drive Ram 1500 Bighorn Sport Quad Cab with the 5.7 liter mild hybrid V8 engine.
4: Mild hybrid?
1: Mild hybrid. What is mild hybrid? It has a 12-volt battery under the hood, a 48-volt battery behind the rear seat, and something that looks like a generator under the hood, and when you come to a stop, it shuts off. But rather than like some hybrids, like some cars that shut off when you come to a stop, and they start up and they feel really clunky when they restart, this starts up perfectly smooth. You, it comes to a stop, you feel the engine shut off, but you barely feel. it feels like a hybrid, like a Prius when, it, when you take off. Because it's actually starting off on this motor that's under the hood. Which is a belt drive, and what it does is it spins the engine over and gets it going. So there's no starter motor kind of going, trying to start it. It's this belt drive thing. The little electric motor also provides a teeny bit of torque and a little bit of regenerative braking when you take your foot off the gas, so it charges the 48 volt battery up. So mild hybrid, not a, not a. It, it will not run if it's out of gas, for instance. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Can't imagine. But um, it's just a way to help improve fuel economy, lower emissions, because the engine shuts off. So. Uh, optional on our well-equipped Bighorn Ram, whoever makes up these names, was, of course, the 5.7-liter Hemi-Mile Hybrid remote start, larger infotainment display with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, adjustable pedals, power sliding rear window, host of other features, the 5.7-liter V8 provides plenty of power. It should. It makes all kinds of horsepower. And a pretty decent fuel economy for a full-size truck. Um, like I said, the e-torque, they call it e-torque, the thing under the hood, um, offers a seamless idle stop and start. And uh, it also provides a little bit of regen when you take your foot off the gas. It recharges the batteries a little bit. The V8 engine also has cylinder deactivation. So it doesn't always run on 8, sometimes runs on 4. Um During my road test, I averaged about 22 miles per gallon in a mix of city and highway driving. All this technology didn't hugely, if there's, is that a word, hugely? Overly? Overly, benefit fuel economy. There you go. Yeah. Um, You know, a full size VA truck might get 20 miles per gallon. Maybe a little less on an average. So it's kind of, you know, I guess when you look at lower numbers like that, if it went up 10%, that's a good number. Uh, But 22 miles per gallon is not bad. The 8-speed automatic transmission is nicely matched to, like I said, plenty of horsepower. Almost 400 horsepower, 395 horsepower. And it delivers really nice crisp shifts in just about every driving situation. The ride was uh, sedan quiet. This is one of the quietest trucks I've ever been in, and the ride was really pretty nice. Uh, Handling was pretty good for a truck. Electric power steering was very positive uh, at both low and high speeds. Uh, The front seats are super comfortable. Uh, This would be a long-distance cruising truck. It would be a really comfortable truck to be in because this wasn't the full four-door, even though it had four doors. The rear seats, I had two adults back there. Um, Pretty comfortable, but I don't know if I'd want to drive to... Michigan in it for instance but um, but decent enough I like the way the rear seat cushions actually flipped up so you could put boxier stuff in there without having to put it on the seat and also last weekend when I did my when I did this program from the Cape I have a little looks like one of those um, you know uh, um, secret service cases you know it's not it's not the fancy expensive stainless steel case. It's the $20 Harbor Freight metal case. and uh, But it fit right under the seat. I lifted up the seat, tucked it under there, folded the seat back down, and it fit kind of nicely back there. So it was actually, actually kind of nice. Um, the cargo bed had a nice spray on liner that in addition to looking good, kept items from sliding around because it's a little bit rough. Um, it also had a uh, folding cargo cover it provided a good weather tight seal, and it also had LED bed lights, so you could push a button and light up the bed. So if you're out there in the dark trying to find something back there, um, you could light it all up, and that was kind of nice too. Um, the Ram for uh, 2019 with all the improvements may be just enough to sway all those people that buy Fords and Chevys and take a look at the Ram. A lot of people say to me who saw it said, "You know, I'm not really a Dodge guy." It used to be Dodge, but now they've called it Ram because, because you know, I'm not really a Dodge guy, but this is a pretty nice truck. And I heard that from a couple of people, and the Dodge fanatics, people who like Dodge products, love the, love the truck. So, you know, take a look. Uh, like I said, this one had the 5.7 liter V8, almost 400 horsepower. Uh, mileage, 17 city, 23 highway. I was averaging 22 overall, so not bad. Most of my driving, probably 80% is highway. Sometimes if I'm stuck, not so much. Um, yesterday driving to Connecticut, I wasn't in this truck, but there was a tractor trailer that was rolled over, closed all three lanes except the breakdown lane. That's not a lot of fun. Hugely is a word, by the way. It is Google hugely. <laughs> How did it, does it, does it have? Well, it, it states very much to great to a great extent. So hugely impact, yeah. Did all right, not hugely. Well, impact hugely. It? We should go to another spot, by the by. Why don't we do that? And when we come back, I know, it's your little version of It's your timing. If you did it at 9 a.m., it would be fine. But now we're getting to the end of the show. Well, that's okay. It'll give you something to do. All right. When we come back, we're going to give away some tickets to the Connecticut Auto Show. And I have one pair each of RV and camping tickets and Boston Auto Show tickets. So... When you, when you talk to Dennis, when we come back from the break, so you have to wait until we come back from the break. Oh, boy. Uh, we have, uh, let's give away two pairs of tickets to the Connecticut Auto Show, one pair of tickets to the Boston Auto Show, one pair of tickets to the RV and camping show. So the Boston Auto Show, RV show, they're not till January, so don't lose them. But the Connecticut shows just in a couple of weeks. So we'll do all of that when we come back. But not before then. So don't rush. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. We will be right back. it is. Well, if you want tickets to the RV show, you want tickets to the Connecticut Auto show. Bother Dennis now. And he will uh, hate me from now on, so. But you know, you need something to do. He's just sitting here. You need something to do. There's a uh, interesting article in Automotive News this month. Or a week. So or... sorry, we're out of the Boston. We got the RV and two Connecticut. Okay, we're out of the Boston tickets. According to Dennis, you may have just heard him say that, but just in case you didn't, and we'll have more. Don't worry, I have a bunch, but we're gonna we're gonna spread them out a little bit. But if you would like tickets to the Connecticut Auto Show or the Boston RV Show, you know, you can uh, you can give us a call, and Dennis will set you up. So uh, people like Porsches. Uh, there have been some great ones. Uh, the 356 was first seen on July 1948. Um, over the years, the 550 Spider a lot of people know that one because of James Dean, he died in one horrible way to remember a car. Uh, the 911. Was the successor of the 356, which is which was kind of the original car. Everybody, the 911 people liked or didn't. One of my favorite cars, which which people don't necessarily like, is the 912. The 912 was a 911 with the four cylinder engine, and a lot of people, it was a little less expensive car, and uh, it uh, outsold the 911 by two to one because it was cheaper. It had a two liter fuel injected four cylinder engine uh in the last model year in 1976 uh the car that i kind of liked was the 928 that was Porsche's big departure from the rear engine cars and it was a front engine uh v8 and uh it was first it was first thought it was going to be a replacement for the 911 that didn't happen in fact when that car was introduced Porsche was selling about 1500 cars in the United States they almost went out of business um I remember I was an arbitrator for Porsche. Uh, if if a Porsche customer had a had a consumer issue, uh, I would end end up getting involved with it. And I remember the 928, and we were talking about the company in general, and it, it didn't didn't do didn't do that well. But the 9 928, especially the 928 with the um, with the 32 valve engine, was a really hot car. And then there was of course the 924, which was kind of the four cylinder version of that, which. I do somebody that had a uh, 924 Turbo. And at the time, I think I was road testing a Volkswagen GTI. And the GTI might have actually been a little faster. Uh, so it was kind of kind of interesting. And then the one car that that um, really got, I guess a good way to describe it as kind of a polarizing car, was the 914. The 914 was sort of envisioned... A Volkswagen Common gear. Um the 914 uh, took over as the 912's role as a brand entry level model between for 1970. It was produced as a joint venture between Porsche and Volkswagen. The 914 had a sharp, edgy design as opposed to the uh, to the Common Ghia, which was more rounded. But they were similar in a certain way. Uh, the 914 also had pop-up headlights, which some people over the years replaced. Uh, but it was, a, it was an interesting car. And then I guess the successor to the 914. Before you and, get into that, we are out of tickets. We're out of tickets. Dennis worked his magic. We're out of tickets. But we will have more tickets soon. twice Joy times. Joy's t- t- times. Not, not, today. <laughs> not today. Not today. But we'll have more tickets soon. But the Porsche Boxster was sort of like a sort of like a reimagined version of the nine fourteen. And then of course there was the Carrera G T which was um the, the Porsche nine fifty nine was considered by some people to be the greatest supercar of all times. Um it produced crazy horsepower, four hundred and forty four horsepower. Um the car went from zero to sixty in like three and a half seconds. Um Very collectible car, very expensive. And then there was a Carrera GT, which was um, a V10 version of the 959. And I saw one in a parking lot down in Hyannis. It's a car that just, they made very few of them, and there it was just sitting there. In fact, I don't know that the 959 or the Carrera GT were ever legal to sell in the United States. They probably had to wait until they got that old before they could bring them in there. But, uh... You know, kind of kind of interesting how Porsche has evolved and become really a major player in the business. And I, I go back to the time I was at a an auto show, a Porsche show, and one of the Porsche family members was there. And it was just Porsches everywhere you could see. And he kind of went, this makes me sad. I said, why is that? He said, half these cars came on trailers. My cars are meant to drive. They're not meant to look at. They're meant to drive and enjoy, not just for people to stare at, put it in a trailer, take it home, and put it in their garage and wax it and go out and stare at it again. He said they're meant to drive. That's, they're driver's cars. They're not meant to just stare at. So, Then lower the prices. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm driving a car, which um, is kind of an interesting-looking car out in the parking lot. I... From from this angle, it looks like a Star Wars X-wing fighter. I could be wrong. Well, you, I would put it more at the A-wing, but A-wing. That, that, Is it, okay. I don't know my Star yeah. Wars trivia like <laughs> the you X-wing do. looks like an X. That doesn't look like an X. Okay, so the A-wing looks like a A. Well, yeah, in, in a way, it's sort of yeah. Okay, but there's no wings on the A-wing. Okay, all right. Well, it... I, I especially oh. I don't know.
4: I especially like the, the blue, yellow, and white color of it.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, no, not, not, that, not that one. Okay, not that Sorry. Yeah. All right, take me off. Yeah, then, you're, so you're, yeah, we'll get to you in a minute. <laughs> that was Paul Sullivan, who's sitting here and helping us with all kinds of things. How is that car to ride? Well, we'll have the review next week, right? We'll have the review next week, but it is a... Um, the car, the car we're talking about, by the way, is a Lexus LC five hundred. Uh, it's a twenty eighteen. It's actually got a lot of miles on it. It's got I don't know ten or fifteen thousand miles on it. It's a um, it's a sports car in the truest sense of the word. Other than it does not have a manual transmission available, I do not believe. Uh, yeah, paddle shift sort of things, which eh, they're just not. It's not as much. It's not the same. I, I, there, there, was something very zen-like about driving, and I don't even know if that's the right term. But, but, but there is something very spiritual. Well, about, yeah, zen. You know, one yeah, with the car with yeah, the manual. Yeah. But even the but even the race car drivers today don't yeah, use don't the. Care. I'm, I'm old. They use the I'm old. I know that. F1 drivers all use yeah. paddles and push buttons. That's how they work. But it doesn't seem. This, there's something about letting the clutch up, timing it just perfectly, getting a perfect crisp shift. Um, there's something zenish about that. Um, this car is—that's uh, the car I drove a whole bunch of miles yesterday. Um, it is pretty fast. Yeah, well, we can do the review next week. Okay, All right. tease it, okay. tease it. All right, All right. <laughs> we'll talk about it next week. <laughs> I don't think we need to. I don't think we need to tease our listeners about things like that but uh, okay but, but we'll talk about it next about. week and we'll talk about a variety of other things including including some things you need to do to make sure you get your car ready for winter time that you know i hate to say it but as uh, one of our callers and and matt williams from heart uh, said it's not just raining outside it's cold and raining outside um it's starting to feel like you know we had a summer day this week yeah, that's the last one we're going to have for a while. You think so, for a while? Like I said, I my, I woke up to my heat coming on this morning. Oh, you have your heat on already? Um, what kind of New Englander are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, To you're, you're saying that by frugality, is that what you mean? No, just... I mean I hate the I hate the cold as much as, if not more than most people and I don't even have my heat on. Well, yet. we didn't have our heat on until last week when I decided to service my oil burner. Uh which
4: uh, which, which uh of your three uh properties have the heat on right now.
1: <laughs> not the one in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> not the tin shack in Florida does not have I did Hurricane Michael ignore your Yeah, Hurricane Michael um uh, we're we're being spared um, because of the Indian Mound. Oh, there is there is a, somewhere in my area there is an Indian burial site. Okay, referred to as the Indian Mound, uh-huh. and we've been told by people that it's the Indian Mound protects the town of Englewood from hurricanes okay okay
4: <laughs> well i mean we had what was a big storm last year that you were really worried about what, what all of them <laughs> no no <like laughs> the that was one a trailer <laughs> well yeah i know yeah. that but, it was, <laughs> but one of the, it was one of the hurricanes that were coming up I yeah think it was the
1: one that devastated puerto rico yeah that one maria yeah. yeah 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 wow yeah and it went right through my town by the way when um, you say
4: through, you mean the indian ground didn't well, it, it assist or or no, it went no, around you. Yeah,
1: well, it took down the Dunkin' Donuts sign out, in, out on the main street.
4: Yeah, that's, that's a great loss, <laughs> especially because they're going to change those signs anyway. Yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. But uh, it did. It did. Um, it took down. I had a tree, a pretty palm tree that's out in front of the house. Yeah, and um, the good news is it fell over to the right. Mm-hmm. If it fell to the back, it would have landed on top of my uninsured piece of property.
4: Are palm trees heavy trees? I don't know.
1: They're dense.
4: Are yeah, they? it's pretty dense wood. Because yeah. I mean, the reason that they are still there in the land of hurricanes over the centuries yeah. yeah, is yeah, they're because flexible, they're, they're yeah, dense. they're yes. flexible. But yeah, yeah this, fall, this like.
1: one broke off strangely enough right at the base. Uh, so, um, the guy who cuts my lawn, I said to him, "You don't, cu- you don't cut down trees, do you?" He said, no, "I don't cut down trees." I said, "Well, it already fell down." <laughs> <laughs> he said, and he said. Oh yeah, I can cut it up for you. Is so is the
2: wood from
4: the palm tree uh, serves no purpose whatsoever? None, is the okay. best I can find. Right.
1: It looks a little mushy inside. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, and that it probably. Yeah. 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 So, but uh, I, I don't know. So, hey, okay. Yeah, so, well, it, that's good. And, and the guy who cuts my, cuts my lawn, yeah. cut up the tree and didn't charge me for it. So okay. hey. Yeah.
4: Well, and having um, taken you on this detour back to the cold. <laughs>
1: Back to the cold, Continue, which is which is where which is where we'll talk about how to take care of your cars for the winter. And congratulations to uh, Scott from Stoughton, uh, Peter from uh, Yarmouth, uh, John from Boston, and Mike from Hingham. They'll all get a variety of tickets. Uh, Scott and Peter will get Connecticut tickets. John will get Boston tickets, Mike will get RV tickets, and we'll give away more over the weeks. Um, we are going to be talking next week to, I was wrong, it's two weeks uh, two weeks away, I think we're going to be talking to uh, Chris from uh, the uh, auto shows about the variety of shows coming up. Next week we're going to be talking to, I believe, somebody from General Motors about a... Um, a true extended warranty that they're going to put on their used cars now, kind of put their money where their mouth is, kind of thing, and also make their used cars more um, interesting for people to think about buying and thinking about dependability. So we're going to be doing that. You've heard Paul Sullivan; he's sitting there just now. He's on his phone, like a, he's like a he's like a teenager. He's always on his phone. I just got an email. Oh, see, you're like a teenager. Unless so, you were Snapchatting or something. I, I said,
4: no, I, said, I don't even know what that is. But I, I said to you before, when when I when, well, we're the same age, so when we were kids, they were talking about the computers and, um, well, they didn't even use the term digital back then. But we'd have computers that would do everything for us, and our leisure time would just explode. We yeah. wouldn't know what to do with That's all the right. time we had That's in right. our hands. That's not really happened. What happened, the computer um, assist is there. But now we're expected to do much, 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 we much more. We are, we are. Uh, and and uh, I'm working all the time.
1: What was that Bruce Willis movie?
4: Bruce Which, Willis. Oh, there was more than one. I know.
1: Yeah, he he. Uh, Die hard? No, yeah. it, but he like it was like fat and was laying in a chair, but he <laughs> but his his his, I, his the fifth dimension? No, no. I mean the fifth element? No, no, no. And he was, but he, it was like. He was, he was a cop or something but he was this young looking cop that was out doing stuff but really the reality was he was in a chair and he was fat and he was about ready to explode <laughs> which has made me think of it oh that must be one of his new like ones. surrogates or something yeah something yeah, like there. something yeah. like that I yeah. Yeah, it was, I it was awful that one yet. it was yeah. awful I heard that you, one. you didn't miss don't don't bother trying to watch it it was terrible Hey, yeah, there, but
4: anyway yeah we're always
1: working there's a piano I'm guy so what do you got going on speaking of working uh, I you, have new, you have on, new music you're playing today
4: uh, yeah, I gave it to them. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's good. You got good a lot stuff. of good stuff coming up. I, 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 still have fun doing this after all. These all years.
1: after all these years. Yep. Yeah. yep. That's good. No That's heavy good. lifting. All right. All right. Yeah. Paul Sullivan and the Irish Hit Parade coming up next. The very best in Irish music heard here for the rest of the day. Starting with Professor Paul Sullivan. Talk to you all next week. Wear your seatbelt. Be good to your car. Bye.